The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight. Expertise. Top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now, to Dave Hooker. Ready. Welcome, Tennessee in the College World Series and more as a great piece by Caleb Calhoun looking back on Tennessee's athletics turmoil since Philip Fulmer's firing in 2008 and why that makes the current athletic success, which is almost unprecedented. We discussed that yesterday, that much more impressive. Go ahead and hit that like button, subscribe if you haven't done so. And also, some Tennessee football wide receivers, maybe throwing a little bit of shade. I'm still trying to use that term, shade. I'm not sure I know exactly what it means. New conference realignment news from Pete Thamel. Looks like UNC and Virginia are the two teams that the SEC and Big Ten will battle over. And I know this is going to be a touchy subject for some, but why the NIL will usher in the golden age of college athletics. I have said that before, Caleb, and now we're starting to hear that from some national media as well. So how are you, Caleb Calhoun? I'm good. Happy Happy hump day, Dave. It is happy hump day. Uh, makes me think of the Digital Underground. Tupac Secure, by the way, was a backup dancer for Digital Underground. Did you know that? I actually did know that, funny enough. Um, there you go. Only because yes. I've done exhaustive Wikipedia research on Tupac. So <laughs> who, has, who has not done exhaustive Wikipedia uh, research on Tupac? By the way, so the Las Vegas Golden Knights or whatever they are, are six years and they win a championship, and Tennessee had to wait, was it 47 years or 41 years to win a championship, and Vegas is going to have a parade, and Tennessee did not. That was one of the things that always rubbed me the wrong way. There wasn't a parade down Gay Street, the middle of Knoxville. Maybe that's a topic for another day. parades. But just do them. There was all the excuses that they're not here and they're – they're back home and all that stuff. We'll, we'll discuss that later. First of all, you have got to go to uh, offthehooksports.com and read Caleb's latest story. It all went downhill, we all know, in 2008 when Philip Fulmer was fired. And we know what happened since. It was a guy named Lane Kiffin, followed by a guy named Derek Dooley, Butch Jones, and Jeremy Pruitt. And Tennessee was in a decade of dysfunction or whatever you want to call it. It was bad for a long, long time, which gives Tennessee, be it Danny White, Josh Heupel, Tony Vitello, whoever you want to pick, a lot of credit and a lot of credence with Tennessee's fan base. As Caleb, you wrote, Tennessee truly rose from the ashes. And it wasn't an overnight thing. It wasn't a one-hire thing of go out and get John Gruden. It was, as Nick Saban likes to say a process how impressive nationally has this albeit slow turnaround been for the university of tennessee extremely impressive and it's also proof that turnarounds don't happen with like oh here's a blueprint and here's exactly how it's going to go you kind of stumble your way forward into turnarounds because Tennessee is the only program since the dawn of the BCS era in 1998 to make both men's and women's college world series, both men's and women's sweet 16 and win a football new year, six slash BCS bowl, all in the same academic calendar. Tennessee, every single coach in that group was hired by a different athletic director, half of whom were forced out because of their own issues. <laughs> You pointed out that out yesterday, and it's one of those things you know, but you don't think about. And when you said it, I was like, man, that is crazy. They did kind of stumble into that. That's not a knock on Tennessee or Danny White or anybody else. But did you know Tony Vitello would be this great? Did you know Rick Barnes would fall into your lap? No, you didn't know any of that stuff. You knew you had the weeklies. And 
my biggest question, though, more than the the personalities and the success level of all those coaches, did you know you would have a guy on the top that could do two things? Because basically athletic directors need to do two things just to Caleb has a list of stuff every day he has to do. I have a list of stuff I have to do. Your job, you probably have a list of stuff you have to do. There are two things you have to do as an athletic director. Hire the right coaches and raise money. It's that simple. You could show up in your underwear to work and you would still get athletic director of the year if you're able to do those two things at a high level. So Tennessee if you has hire the if you hire the right athletic director, that might actually raise some money on its own. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So you have it's a calendar of SEC athletic directors. Here we go. But you have, by the way, be sure to hit that like and subscribe button so we can bring some more people in. But Danny White was not the one athletic director. There were a, a lot of athletic director decisions. So I'm not ready to give him an A plus grade on that yet, but Hypo gets him off in the A-level without a question. But I will say this, the raising money thing, be it NIL or now with the new addition uh, they're going to do in uh, around Neyland Stadium and Thompson Bowling Arena that's going to turn that area into an event sort of thing where you could, you could literally one day, and this is not outside the realm of possibility, you could have Justin Timberlake playing Neyland Stadium. These types of things have been done before with Kenny Chesney, and I was at the Michael Jackson concert back in the mid-'80s. They have that. So if I had to pick one person, and we'll, we'll get to that, it's probably Danny White, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go ahead and turn it to Four Downs. Four Downs brought to you today by our new friends at Zen Sports. I'll tell you more about that. It is Four Downs brought to you by Zen Sports, the new way to gamble in Tennessee. Four downs now. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. All right, so we're going to ask, what was the turning point? What person was the most important? What coach was the most important? Probably second to Hypel. And should this be the new norm at Tennessee? We'll get to all those. And it's brought to you by Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. With Zen Sports, your rewards are cash rewards. You bet with real money, and now you're rewarded with it too. Use the promo code HOOKED. Use the promo code HOOKED. And there is no cap on the five, the 3% cash back, the 3% cash back that you get so check it out you earn cash commission on your referral bets as well it's fantastic gambling problem call 1-800-889-9789 terms and conditions apply must be 21 and over and in tennessee to bet so cooper mays what should we do i think we should get to first down let's do that right now Coop here first down what was the turning point for tennessee in their rise from the ashes phoenix like what was the one Turning point, Caleb Calhoun, if you had to pick and feel free to fill us out on the message board and we will get right to you as we always do. But the one turning point was what? Can I do this twofold? Can I say the turning point on the fall and the turning point on the rise? Because I got, okay. So the turning point on the fall was just the year 2010. Lane Kiffin Lane Kiffin bolting. And then Bruce Pearl getting caught with NCAA sanctions. And quite honestly, just 2000 to 2011, and then Pat Summit getting struck with dementia. Just those three things that happened was just all within a year was a disaster for the program. If- and it will lead me to the new norm, which we'll get to in a later down. Okay, so what was the turning point for the positivity for things to get better quickly? So the turning not, not point you the- quickly, things got better so semi quickly. The turning point for the positivity for me was the protest of the Shiano hire. Now, I know that led to Philip Fulmer, which had its own disasters, but I do think it put... Here's the big thing that that turning point did. That turning point pushed out the power that the Haslams had wielded over the university, like feudal lords that Jimmy Haslam had basically run Tennessee into the ground. That that fan revolt really kind of... It forced him to take a step back. 
And once he took a step back, I think even though Tennessee made the wrong hire with Fulmer, who made the wrong hire with Pruitt, they weren't going to be long-term stuck in making wrong hires. I'm going to go a step higher in that. I think the turning point was uh, Don De Plowman uh, taking over as the, the, the chancellor at Tennessee. I think she is very decisive. I think she's smart. I think she takes input. She took over in 2019 as chancellor of the University of Tennessee. You want to go back to the 90s when you had uh, Joe Johnson was the president. You knew that big Jim Haslam, not Jimmy Haslam, was your main booster. You knew your athletic director was a guy named Doug Dickey. You knew the football coach was going to be Philip Fulmer. I think that Plowman, as best she could, brought that sense of stability. So I will say that was the one turning point to the positive. Coop, what down? Cooper Mays here. Second down. All right, second down. What person was the most important? I gave mine away. It's Donde Plowman. What person was the most important to the turnaround? Man, Dave, I, 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 I want to disagree with you, but I think you're right. I mean, it is Don Day Plowman. I mean, there's no really other way around that. Now, I think a strong argument could be made for Danny White. Maybe she got lucky. Maybe she'll hire a bad athletic director in the future. But I don't think that's the case based off everybody that I talked to that has had any interaction with her. She is the the one person in the room that doesn't give get enough credit. Third down, Cooper Mays. Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. What coach was most important? It's Josh Heupel, right? Okay. It's Who's, obviously Heupel. Yeah. Who's second to Heupel? All right. Hot take on here. It is Tony Vitello. Now, I say that because Tennessee basketball is at a place now, given the state of college basketball, where if they didn't hire Rick Barnes, they were going to hire a good coach somewhere. It's not – you can find a pretty good coach that's going to succeed at Tennessee. Baseball is very dependent on the right coach. And Tennessee had massive failures with Todd Raleigh and Dave Serrano. And so getting Tony Vitello, that's the second most important coach. I think the second most important is Rick Barnes falling in your lap. I think that there's a really good chance Tennessee would have blown that higher at the time. But Rick Barnes falls in your lap. I know that you're not very high on Rick Barnes as far as a championship coach, and I tend to agree with you. However, you have that base of you're always going to be knocking on the door at the Sweet 16, which makes you relevant. Vitello seems to be red hot or not. And like last year when they flamed out, that was disappointing. He did bring a lot of attention to the program. Uh, but I feel like Barnes is a good, consistent base in your second most lucrative revenue sport. So I would go with Barnes falling in their lap. I don't know that Tennessee gets a lot of credit for that, but I would go with Barnes falling in their lap. I I mean, I understand that. I just think that Tennessee basketball was going to be successful with, you know, I think they would have found the right coach eventually in basketball. I mean, on paper, Donnie Tindall wasn't a bad hire until you realized that the guy had a gigantic academic fraud scandal. But I, I tell you this right now, as a basketball tactician, if Donnie Tindall had stayed at Tennessee, he'd have won a national championship. Dude was a brilliant basketball mind. He was strong. He showed up on my Facebook friend list the other day as posting something. Maybe we'll reach out to Donnie Tindall. How many years does he have left on that show Show cause? Let's see. uh, Two, I believe. Huh. How much longer has Rick Barnes got? On his contracts? No, just how much longer do you think he wants to coach? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure Tennessee's not going to hire Donnie Tindall back. I can guarantee you that right now. Just a thought. Just a thought. Fourth down, Coop. All SEC center Cooper Mays here. Fourth down. Okay, I said this back in 1998 and 99 and 2000 when Tennessee's football team was at its best, when the Lady Vols were fantastic, and you had guys like Ron Slay led by Jerry Green making crazy runs, that – That shouldn't be expected to be the new norm, but it should be the new norm. And what I mean by that is don't get upset if one of those programs slip and you have to address it. But is this the new norm? That's my simple question. Fourth down, four downs brought to you by Zen Sports. I think it is. I think it is because of Danny White. Even though Danny White didn't make a lot of these hires, I think Danny White's understanding of NIL, his understanding of the future of college athletics – it's going to make Tennessee the new norm. Look, Danny White single-handedly made – Central Florida's going to the Big 12 next year. 
because of what Danny White did. For those who don't remember this, UCF was South Florida was the big time smaller program in Florida. UCF and South Florida have a rivalry. South Florida was a bigger program than UCF. Now UCF is the bigger program. And they're about to be a power five school because of what Danny White did. And now he's at Tennessee and he's he's being forward thinking in the same way. What Danny White is doing is not resting on laurels or tradition. He's very big on, I think Tennessee fans have a really big problem sometimes saying, well, we're Tennessee. Obviously we can do this. Obviously we can get that. They felt that way with football for a long time. They felt, oh, we can just recruit because we're Tennessee football and the tradition, not understanding you, you got to do more than that to get athletes nowadays. <laughs> and I think Danny White understands that a lot better than the fan base does. Uh, Travis asking me if I had the bedazzled glove or the Michael Jackson concert. I did. I don't think I wore it back in, was that 85 or 86 when they were at Neyland Stadium? We've seen Kenny Chesney do that sort of thing. What concert would you most like to see at Neyland Stadium? Is there anyone in particular that stands out? I mean, Taylor Swift, obviously. Taylor Swift. All right, maybe she can open for Metallica because that would be my choice. It's time for oh, Metallica looks really good for pushing 60. Have you seen any of their clips lately? I have not. I have not. Do you want me to send them to you or will you just delete them? I know of Metallica, but I I like don't don't get me wrong. I, I was getting into music when they were big. I, I got into alternative rock a little bit after them, but still. That's not alternative rock. That's great rock. What is <laughs> Whatever. I mean, that is fantastic, Rock. That's not alternative at all. What the? I egg? got okay. So when I first started listening, there was the Metallica ripoff, which I'm not saying they were good, but Corn was big when I was listening. When they yeah, had the DJ, that's bad music. Yeah, and so there was. I was listening to Rage Against the Machine, um, and but see, I, that was the new metal phase. I got obsessed with Linkin Park in the early 2000s. And Sorry about that. What the age? <laughs> what the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. What the age today brought to you by Craft Treats, crafttreats.com. Tennessee's receivers left out of a top five, according to CBS Sports. So who ranks ahead of them? Sure, we'll hear about Ohio State as I believe they have 15 first round picks on their roster. At least that's what everybody likes to say. Maybe Texas in there as well. Who ranks ahead of the Vols according to CBS Sports? So, yes, you were right. Number one is Ohio State. I don't think that's a shock. That's not the one that annoyed me on this because I think I understand Ohio State's receivers being ranked ahead. The only thing that somewhat bothers me is how are you going to have the number one Tennessee out of the top five, but say that. C.J. Stroud deserved a Heisman invite over Hidden Hooker. Those two things can't – you can't hold those two thoughts in your head. <laughs> but number two, you were right, is Texas. Number three is Washington. Number four is USC. And number five is Georgia. And for the record, Tennessee got honorable mention. Okay, so honorable mention means – by the way, honorable mention, they are behind LSU – and it doesn't appear to be an alphabetical order. So they're essentially saying Tennessee has the seventh best group of receivers in the nation. That would be Brew McCoy, Squirrel White, Ramel Keaton, Dante Thornton. Let me hear you on the message board. Does that upset you? And it's brought to you by Craft Treats. Crafttreats.com. Use a promo code off the hook. Get 20% off of their fantastic treats with the CBD derivative if you need that for your pet's arthritis or perhaps digestive issues or anxiety. It's the setup is what the H, but I've got zero problem with this. I think Brew McCoy is going to be a first round pick in the NFL. I think he's the most talented wide receiver that's been on Tennessee's campus in a long time. You know, I love Squirrel White. I know you love Dante Thornton. Ramel Keaton is great to plug in there. I don't think he's elite like Brew McCoy is. Not a shot, great college wide receiver. I have no problem with this. These guys are not proven yet. If you do this at the end of the year and you base it off stats, they might be number one. But right now, I've got unproven Brew, who, by the way, is having a great offseason for those that don't know. People I talk about just is blowing people away in his physicality and getting off the line. Nobody's going to be able to press him this year. I'll go ahead and tell you that. 
So, and with Squirrel White and Dante Thornton, it's probably going to be one or the other. And I just stated how I, I view Ramel Keaton. I have no problem with them being seven. As a matter of fact, to be top 10, maybe you and I sometimes, Caleb, get a little too close to what we're covering. I think top 10 is respectful for a group that just lost what they did in their top receiver in Jalen Hyatt and one of their top two most talented receivers along with Brew last year and Cedric Tillman. I got zero problem with them being in the top 10. What about you? I have a problem with them not being in the top five because the standards were different to a certain degree. So, okay, if you're going to rate, if you're going to look at attrition, then Georgia shouldn't be number five. I know Brock Bowers is back, but Darnell Washington and Eric Gilbert are gone. And if you're going to go based on talent, well, Tennessee's collection of talent is better than Washington's, who's number three. I know Washington returns their top two receivers, but I, I'm sorry. Like, I'm putting I'm putting way more stock. Brew McCoy is going to go drafted higher than any Washington receiver next year. I'm pretty sure. And well, everybody, everybody tends to agree with you. Uh, they've, they've got uh, Bull uh, something, and they've got my unbiased opinion uh, has this at number two. I could see that behind Ohio State. Leacock is going to be good. I like Leacock as well, but I think he's kind of second tier right now. And then some D saying CBS could mess up a one car funeral procession. It's tough to do. Uh, I, I mean, again, I think at the end of the year, we'll be talking about them being top three. But right now, I've got no problem with them being not being in the top five. Yeah, but when you do these preseason rankings and stuff, shouldn't you give some analysis on how good you think they're going to be, not just what you've seen so far? And again, there's already some projection going on in these rankings with Georgia. Again, you can't have Georgia in the top five just because of Brock Bowers, can you? He alone doesn't put your receiving room in the top five. No, he shouldn't alone. Um, but I think Georgia's kind of at the state where Alabama is, that their talent level, even last year when they were down a little bit in the skill positions, it was still good. So I think they're going to be in the conversation. You don't think what, Tennessee's at least at that level at receiver? Not across the board, but at receiver? Just to get the kind of respect that you get year in and year out? Not quite. I think they will be after this year. And just for the record, we had a question about uh, Bowers that tied in. Are they lumping together tight ends in this as well? Yeah, they're lumping together tight ends in this as well. Okay, so I want to clear that up. So you're also losing Princeton fans. Okay, and I think Jacob Warren's going to be very good. And I'm not saying this just because he works with us, but I think Jacob Warren will be very good. But who's the second tight end? If they want to run that split tight end where they essentially have one tight end the game for a drive and then they switch in the second, who's the second? I don't I don't know yet. And from people I talk to, they don't know yet. So that means you have to either adjust with perhaps going a four wide receiver look when Jacob's getting a rest during a drive or you have to play Jacob Moore, and he's probably not more effective towards the end. These are my words, not his. Or you have to find that second tight end. And I don't know that they've done that yet. Again, I think I think seven, I think seven is respectful. I think if they hadn't done what they did last year, and you're talking about a nine-win football team, they're probably not even getting honorable mention on this list. I think when you return both main wideouts, because we're forgetting that even though Cedric Tillman was gone, Brew McCoy and Ramel Keaton were the starting wideouts for most of the year last year. And you add a slot receiver like Dante Thornton, who's just incredible. Plus you have what everybody believes is a rising star in Squirrel White. The only unproven player on this unit is Squirrel White. And we all believe he's going to be a superstar. I'm sorry. I think you, no, I got, you got to put this in the top five. You got to put it ahead of Georgia. You just do. And I get the whole concept of Georgia recruiting and where they are, but I think at this point, Josh Heupel, Tennessee has proven itself as that factory for for at least receivers under Josh Heupel because they've had two separate thousand yard receivers in back to back years, and they had two wideouts step up in place of the thousand yard receiver who went down with an injury last year. So I, I I'm sorry, I think Tennessee, I think they have proven themselves to be at that level where they can just reload at receiver. Not everywhere. Now, I'm not saying offensive line. We've talked about offensive lines, a big concern for Tennessee long-term, but I think at receiver, you can, it is a safe bet that they are at that spot now. So you got, you got Bowers hands down the best tight end in the country. Here's what CBS sports has reported. 
Georgia, of course, loses Darnell Washington and Eric Gilbert. But tight ends coach Todd Hartley has recruited well enough that someone is bound to step up alongside Bowers. No offense, but you don't only recruit the position that you coach. Um, so that's kind of a red flag. In terms of wideouts, Lad McConkey is Georgia's top returner, but the Bulldogs bolstered their ranks with a pair of transfers in Dominique Lovett and Rara Thomas out of Missouri and Mississippi State, respectively. Those are pretty good guys that have played in the SEC. Uh, Marcus Roseme Jack Saint is a solid reserve option. Um, I think it depends largely what you think of Brew McCoy. And I think the media may be not as high, may not be as high on Brew McCoy as coaches and scouts are. Because Brew McCoy, and, and everybody here knows that I think Squirrel White is going to have a phenomenal season. But Brew McCoy has the ability to be crazy special, to be the best receiver in the nation. So don't be surprised if that happens. And that alone would vault Tennessee into the top three or maybe even number one if he becomes that incredible outside receiver. It would also say a lot about Josh Heupel if he's able to profit off of that outside receiver instead of just the slot. Can you imagine how unstoppable Tennessee would look to an opposing defensive coach if they came out and Brew McCoy at the outside receiver position is your leading receiver over Thornton or Squirrel playing in the slot. Caleb, that would be a phenomenal look for the balls. No question. That's why I feel like they should already be on here and Heupel should already have this credibility. He's already proven that. Remember, Cedric, again, Cedric Tillman was a thousand yard receiver in 2021, and he is a receiver on the outside. And, and also, Heupel, uh, 2017 was the year when he was the offensive coordinator at Missouri. I, I forget how to pronounce his name, Dave, but Albert Ukwajbonum, Bunum, how, how do you say it? Close um, enough. He was Missouri's tight end that year, and he led the team in touchdown receptions. So Josh Heupel has a pretty strong track record of relying on different receivers based on his personnel and adapting pretty well to that. And so he's had a thousand yard wideout, a thousand yard slot guy, a tight end who caught 11 touchdowns in a year. I I just think at this point, particularly when we've talked about Brew McCoy should get the same, he's getting like the low key height that Kelly Washington got high key in 2001 to 2002, because there is some similarities to me between them. And I, again, think about what was just said about Georgia in this, in this article, which is, he has recruited well enough that someone is bound to step up. Not even a name, okay? We can name the ones at Tennessee who have been recruited well, and we know what they can do. Everybody outside of Squirrel White has somewhat proven themselves. Well, and I don't want to sound like I'm attacking this writer, but if you're going to give Georgia's tight ends coach credit, and he's going to bring a dude, he's going to find a dude walking around on campus, wouldn't you give Josh Heupel that type of credit? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you go down that road, if he hadn't have gone down that road, I would have zero issue with it, with Tennessee being essentially seven with the honorable mention. But if you go down that road of Georgia's tight ends coach is going to produce another incredible tight end. Well, Tennessee didn't produce another incredible tight end after Jason Witten. They produced a couple of good ones. But if you're going down that road, Josh Heibel, is going to produce very productive receivers just by the nature of what he does. I don't care if they show up with half a foot. Yeah, Josh Heupel, I mean, he's a receiver whisperer more than even a quarterback whisperer, if we're being honest. There's a reason that Tennessee is, they got the wide receiver you've title back from Clemson overnight with Josh Heupel after losing it for a while. Yep. Well said. Bassey Lawn and Garden portions of the program brought to you by Bassey Lawn and Garden Man Alive. It's worth the drive. Whether you're in Nashville, Knoxville, or Chattanooga, Cleveland, Tennessee is your home for industrial mowers and commercial mowers as well. Residential too. Go to Bassey.com to learn more. And they bring you the Vol Report with Jacob Warren. By the way, Jacob, what should people do right now? What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. I do. And in two minutes coming up, the SEC and Big Ten are going to fight over two schools, according to a national outlet. I'm going to tell you who they are and who will win in exactly two minutes. How about that? Stay tuned. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker, All Folk Sports.
To own the more that owns every job, then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vassy's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vassy Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on offthehooksports.com. The message board, how can you keep saying Squirrel White hasn't proven himself? That's what D says, I guess, to you, Caleb. I think he has proven himself. I think anybody that has an impact as a freshman has proven themselves. I'll say this about Squirrel White and Dylan Sampson. There is another level there. So when I say they haven't proven themselves, I don't think I said that at all. But if I say that they haven't proven themselves as elite SEC playmakers, I believe that happens, especially with Dylan this year. Maybe Squirrel White sees a little less time because of Dante Thornton at the slot. But no, I, I, I don't think we meant to infer that at all, that they haven't proven themselves. You do anything as a freshman, you've proven yourself to me. Well, Dave, if you say that, you should definitely have had Tennessee in the top five then and not agreed with this list. The only reason I said Squirrel White hadn't proven himself, even though I believe he's going to be great, is because... Oh, so you did say that. So you're the one that D's coming after all the way out yes! of Albuquerque today. Yes. Mo- a lot of his numbers were in garbage time. And then at the Clemson game, which I didn't think they played real defense. I still think Squirrel White's going to go off this year. I agree with D that Squirrel White is going to be great. I just said that he hadn't technically proven himself yet. But if you think what he did last year counts as proven himself, then there's no reason you should agree with this guy keeping Tennessee off this top five list. No, I agree. All right, schedule news as for somehow, some reason, some way, it appears as if the SEC is going to go into a season in 2025 with very with very little idea of what the schedule is going to be. But we have some news, and I'm going to tell you who the SEC and Big Ten are going to fight over, and there are two teams in particular. So a couple of notes. I want to thank Caleb Jaru for seeing this and sending it our way. Each of the SEC teams will play either Texas or Oklahoma once in the upcoming 2024 college football season. So every SEC team will have the Longhorns or Sooners on their 2024 schedule. We don't know if that's going to be home or away. That will be announced later on the SEC network. And also, this is breaking. Sources tell uh, Bama Online that Alabama will be playing host to Georgia during the 2024 season. 
But what do you make out, out of those two news and notes that we have concerning the schedule in 2024? Because I can't remember. I mean, this sounds like high school, and I've been around high school coaches that are calling uh, teams and coaches in uh, Maynardville to say, hey, can we schedule a game in September? I mean, this this is kind of what this sounds like because the SEC couldn't get their schedule worked out of the SEC spring meetings. But what's your immediate take of these two pieces of news that broke this morning before we get to the SEC and Big Ten fighting over two teams? I think that, one, for Tennessee's sake, it's funny because Tennessee, well, they canceled their contract with Oklahoma because of the home-and-home and then they might have been able to get that out, get that anyway, because they're going to get, they, they might get Oklahoma next year. So we'll have to see how that goes. I think it's kind of interesting. I think that it, it's, it's it, really, there's nothing that stood out to me yet from this SEC scheduling, because this is kind of what we expected. I think the big thing they're just going to do next year is try to protect the rivalries with Tennessee. I'm, I'm, I'm curious how they're going to try to protect all the rivalries and have them play Texas or Oklahoma. I think you and I want to see them play Texas. A battle of UTs wearing orange is just something that needs to be seen. The last time Tennessee played Texas was in the 60s, and television was in black and white. So we've never seen Tennessee play Texas in football where we could actually see the orange jerseys. I'm down. I'm all for that. Uh, I am. And there's another semi-slightly orange jersey that could be at play as well. It's time for today's tough question. First, D asked us, Bama drop LSU and pick up Georgia. Saban will lose his mind. That would be we got a little nice. Manning versus Nico at some point. The UTs, I love that as well. Today's tough question is now, and it's brought to you by Andy Mason, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. All right, two schools at the Big Ten – and the SEC are targeting. Okay, if you ask me this without having read the story and meeting Caleb during our 3.15 a.m. production meeting, I would say that it would be Notre Dame and North Carolina. If you if you had asked me that before this story came out, and please credit the story, but it is actually who Caleb Calhoun... Well, before I get to it, the story is Pete Tamil on ESPN. I encourage everybody to read it. It's about conference realignment negotiations. They are kind of fighting over Notre Dame, but they're they both both conferences are determining it's not worth the fight right now because as of right now, Notre Dame has no interest in being a permanent member of a conference still. So sure. in place of that, they are both allegedly fighting over Virginia. Because the SEC is going to take Florida State and Clemson if they can. They would do that in a heartbeat. They don't. I, another report came out. They have no interest in Miami. Just Florida State and Clemson. That's those are the only two schools in a market that already exists that they're interested in, in a market that they are already part of. So new market schools that they would be interested in. Both conferences are Virginia and North Carolina. It shocked me a little bit because I thought they would be more interested in Virginia Tech than Virginia. But I guess maybe Virginia gets them into the – maybe they are thinking television markets at that point because Virginia, I think, gets them into the D.C. market, and I don't think Virginia Tech does. Let me ask the message board, because today's tough question is, which opponent would you most want to see join the SEC? I'm going to say Notre Dame because I think it would be so impactful and be kind of like a middle finger to the Big Ten. But realistically, I would say – uh, either Clemson or Florida State, just because I like the quality of play, and I think they're most likely to be good five, ten years. I do know that the SEC really likes North Carolina, so I'll ask you today's tough question. If there were just one school that could be added to the conference, who would it be? And it's brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Save thousands or tens of thousands of dollars on your real estate transaction and know that you have the best service and you have the absolute best prices in the biz. Andy Mason realestate.com travis says why would you want virginia i'm kind of the same way i don't see the virginia thing who do you want on the message board ronald says we need texas to be a real two a ut game to be a permanent opponent what they're in the conference i don't think they're going to be a permanent opponent but who would you most like to see i'll say notre dame i'll kind of fall on the sword because i don't think it's going to happen but if if it's dave's world if dave's the NCAA commissioner or president, 
and not a buffoon. I could have done such a better job than Mark Emmert for the record, but I would, I would say Notre Dame would be the one, but I know that's not doable. So who would you say if you, if we're in fantasy land, you could take Oregon state if you wanted to Caleb. See, I would want somebody the SEC doesn't want. I want Virginia Tech. I think that's a natural SEC school. That should be a rivalry with Tennessee. It'd be such an exciting rivalry, Tennessee and Virginia Tech, every year. And honestly, my hope is that Virginia Tech goes to the SEC instead of Virginia. I think the SEC has a long-term goal to be to have a geographical footprint in every state of the old Confederacy, shall we say. And North Carolina and Virginia is all they got left. And I'd rather have Virginia Tech than Virginia, but... Yeah, so I'm going Virginia Tech. To the message board, Clemson should be the one. Okay, so that is the team, hands down, that would help Tennessee the most if they were in the SEC. And I believe that, and you gave me a look, Caleb, I believe that because you would split up the state of South Carolina in recruiting. I know you're looking at me weird, but I I believe that that would help Tennessee the most. Um, out of all the schools we're talking about. I don't think any helps tremendously because suddenly you have the panache of being in the SEC. But which school, what do you think about Clemson taking, which school would would help Tennessee specifically the most? Which school would help Tennessee? I know you don't think it's Clemson, so you can go ahead and blast me right now. No, I don't because I think Clemson and South Carolina already split because South Carolina is in the SEC, but Clemson is the power is the power school. Honestly, if Clemson joins the SEC, that just sends South Carolina into irrelevancy. I mean, it's it's Clemson State at that point, and they'll have a lot. Well, but on it. but South Carolina is relevant night right now when they recruit against Tennessee. So wouldn't it be nice because South Carolina is in the relevant. SEC? Yeah, so you're saying you want Tennessee have to have to compete with Clemson and South Carolina? Well, here are my thoughts on Clemson. So I'll go a little deeper before you and Tracy Morgan say that's crazy. I, I, I don't believe Clemson is is going to be a championship contender long term. I think it's kind of like a Miami. Miami's had their ebbs and flows, but their their downtimes have been decades plus. And I think that Dabo Sweeney was the perfect fit there whenever he hangs it up. And I'm looking five, seven years down the road. I think that there's going to be a vast gaping hole in Clemson. And at that point, I think Tennessee will be able to take advantage and other schools recruiting that area. But well, you say Clemson no. being Clemson being in the SEC still makes that area a little bit harder to recruit than it would if they weren't in the SEC. But what I would say is I think Florida State helps Tennessee the most. Because Tennessee doesn't recruit the Florida Panhandle, really. That's not a pipeline for Tennessee. Georgia, Alabama, Florida, and Auburn all recruit the Florida Panhandle. If Florida State joins, that waters down the talent for all of those schools that are in competition with Tennessee. And Tennessee doesn't lose a recruiting pipeline. Mm, Interesting. Okay, so what school would most help Tennessee if they come into the conference? I think Notre Dame. I'm not trying to hold. Florida State was one I would said. I said would most help Tennessee. Wouldn't Notre Dame most help everybody in the conference? Because then you would separate yourself from the Big Ten or anybody, right? If they have, if if the SEC hasn't already, if they added Notre Dame, that would be a whole nother level. Caleb, you are the premier conference. If if, if anybody yes. argued that before, the argument's over, right? The only thing that would hurt is okay. So we, you and Notre Dame is the one national recruiting school there is. Notre Dame is the one school that they're not. They don't have a direct pipeline, but they can go all over the country. They can go to California. They can go to Miami, wherever, and they can compete with the local schools, with the exception of LSU, because like we said, nobody leaves Louisiana. If they're in the SEC, and they're flying to Georgia or South Carolina. All of a sudden, their competition with Tennessee for some of those recruits gets a little bit tougher for Tennessee. Okay, let me, as far as the teams that can win championships, the top half of the SEC, are there really, is there any other school they would want to add at all? As far as teams that could, that that would be able to join the top half if they were added to the SEC? Well, I mean, you're basically making it more difficult. So the Alabamas, the Georgias, would you just assume it stays status quo? Like Texas and Oklahoma, and you're done. Do you really want to add anybody else? I mean, I don't think that. 
I think they do. Again, Virginia and North Carolina schools aren't going to be a threat to that well-being. That's just adding new markets. So I think they would love a, a Virginia and North Carolina school. I'm going to tell you this right now. I, sorry, SEC fans. Virginia and North Carolina, if the Big Ten or the SEC offers in hand, you're taking the Big Ten offer. They're better run right now than the SEC, and your payout's going to be better if you join the Big Ten. Just is. I just wouldn't make it off a short-term decision. I think the I know you 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 like the television contract a lot, but I, I don't think that that's going to be that that would not be in the top three of my decisions. It's not just television contract. It's well, it is partially television contract. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's also it's a research institution. More UNC and Virginia are both AAU schools. So they are actually research first schools, which is, so there's the academic side that could, that they care about that the big 10 cares about that the SEC doesn't not saying the SEC stupid or anything. I'm just saying that's not a, that's not a priority with the SEC with how they corral schools. So UNC and Virginia is going to get research funding that they wouldn't get otherwise in the SEC. So that's a big deal. And also, you can less competition too long term if you're trying to build a powerhouse program. Yep. I mean, couple of notes from the message board. Notre Dame would get exposed if they join the SEC and would become mediocre in three years. I'm not going to go that far, but they would not. They would definitely be on that second tier behind what Georgia and Alabama have done over the past decade and on that Georgia past years. They're on the second tier now. They'd be. The they are. I mean, ten. when we talk about going to get Notre Dame, when I talk about that's the most coveted team, I'm saying that based off of tradition. If Notre Dame doesn't up their game and relax some of the coaching restrictions they have and restraints, then they're not going to ever be relevant like a Georgia or Alabama or even the way they were back in the day, or you want to take a Southern California, or you want to throw those old school teams that were super relevant back in the day. They're never going to be that again. They would have to change their game. And if they're not willing to do so, the SEC should say no, or the Big Ten should say no. I mean, people yes, don't realize that Notre Dame, you have no say in academic requirements as far as everybody bends rules to get guys in. And you have no say in discipline. And you have to live in the dorm your whole time there as an athlete. Those are three big, big strikes against you when you're trying to put together an elite football program. Huge monster strikes, Caleb. Oh, yeah. Notre Dame is the one school, and I'm not saying this is a good thing. They're the one school when schools fight over whose school is has more integrity or whose school is this. Notre Dame is the one school that can literally say they have more integrity and they care about academics. No, no other school with college football does, but it's to Notre Dame's detriment. And as long as Notre Dame continues to slide the way they are, I mean, at some point, all the fans that remember the greatness of Notre Dame, they're not going to be around anymore. I mean, yeah, I don't want to say that, but that's just. No, it's true. My 18-year-old son doesn't view Tennessee as being great. Yeah. And, so you... and, and right, and that's just 18. You know, that can change. But at some point, viewing Notre Dame as an elite program is going to go away, and it's going to be viewed as – What's a what would be a good comparison? Uh, a Stanford, a Northwestern, a Vanderbilt that kind of has that academic reputation, but is not an elite football program. Uh, quick note here: we do want to get to um, what I think is is very important, but not nearly as important as this. So we're hearing a couple of posts on the message boards that uh, Lou Holtz is not doing well. Uh, we certainly want us want to send our prayers to him. Uh, one of the greatest coaches of, of his generation. No question about that. Now, uh, we, we keep him in our thoughts and prayers, obviously, with a tie to the SEC, uh, South Carolina. But, uh, you know, he really made them relevant in a lot of respects. And what he did at Notre Dame, he would have won a national title or two at Notre Dame had those restrictions that I just mentioned not been there. Um, but he already was a very successful, highly, highly regarded head coach, and he should be. So thoughts and prayers to him as he's getting pretty up there in, in age. Coming up, bottom line, NIL, good or bad for college football. I'm going to tell you why it's excellent, and I know it's not tradition, and I know some people get frustrated with me when I tell you this, but it's a simple fact, and now the national media is falling in line. We appreciate that. Two minutes with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hook. Family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. 
I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. I'm a big fan of old school. <clears throat> I truly am. I I'm, I'm a big fan of a lot of things that happened in college football back in the day. And I think that it's somewhat untouchable because you're not going to have the University of Tennessee up and move or the University of Georgia up and move to another market because there's a better deal there. A city is willing to give out a better deal. And I think a lot of those things are fantastic about college football. I don't think you're going to have the uh, Saudi investment group come in and buy a team. I think those are some of the great things about college football. But I think some of the traditions are a little bit, if not really, really old and need to be replaced. And one of those was NIL. And I've said from the get, I think NIL is good for players. Obviously, they get paid. And a lot of these guys from our Celebrate 98 series, and by the way, Jeff Hall is up, from our Celebrate 98 series, we've learned that those guys didn't have money. As far as the $100 handshakes and other people I talk to now that talk off the record, I mean, those just didn't happen as much as we used to think. Now, did Albert Means get, what it, What was it, $200,000 to go to Alabama? Yeah. Did Cam Newton probably get something? But that wasn't across the board. A lot of these guys were hurting for money. So NIL is is huge in, in doing the right thing. But I also believe that it will usher in – a golden era of college athletics. And I'm going to give my reasons why, but first, uh, Joel Klatt, who, if you don't know, uh, Joel Klatt, uh, Joel Klatt, he played football for the university of Colorado and, um, he was a three-year starter and he now does a ton of work, uh, in the media and does a fantastic job. I like a lot of what he has to say, so let's get to his thoughts on the NIL and what it can do for college athletics. Here you go, Caleb. Take off. Do I need to bring this in or are you bringing that in? Yeah, go ahead. You need to bring it in. There you go. Hit it. Next year, we're going to see the, the fruits of the NIL golden age. I believe next year we're going to have as good of a college football season as we've had in a long time, in part because we've got more depth of talent in college football. Why do we have that? Well, let me tell you. Because we have players 
that no longer have to go to the NFL. And we can pull I a hundred and ten percent agree with that. And you don't have to go to the NFL. Zach Eady, if we want to talk basketball, he was the player of the year for Purdue. He is returning for the 2023-2024 season. I don't know if there's a ton of money at Purdue to pay him, but there's enough to at least make it a decision. Jacob Warren, without NIL, is gone. Van Moose, he is not a part of Tennessee's football program anymore. I think you'll got you'll see guys stick a little bit longer. Now, I'm not talking about your first round guys, uh, you, and you're going to have guys that go off potential like Anthony Richardson. I get all that, but as a whole, I think the NIL will usher in a golden age of athletics. the The easiest example for me to point to is not college football, though. Caleb, you like college basketball more than I do. I get frustrated that I don't know the starting five for Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, like I used to. You're going to see more of that in college basketball where you're going to know the guys coming in. Hey, that Vince Carter is pretty good. I like going out of my way to watch him play. You really don't have that going in to each and every college basketball season. So I think it's I think it's going to be huge. I think it'll improve the level of play in every single sport. No question. I agree exactly with what Joe Klatt had to say. And as a matter of fact, I've been saying it for quite some time, even though traditionalists, and I respect you, traditionalists call me crazy and I'm ruining the sport. I'm totally on your side with this. I think that... It, it, it's well, you better, be, you better be because we're paying players. Yeah. <laughs> so, you so, know, you've got a problem with the entire business model if you don't like it. Well, no, I mean, in the, I, I mean, in the sense that it's going to usher in a golden age of college athletics because Florida is the last basketball team. I think we remember that we remember the starting five like year over year that those two, the two time national champions at Florida with Billy Donovan. I mean, I can name it. Tarin Green, Lee Humphrey, Corey Brewer, Joe Kim Noah, Al Horford starting five back-to-back national titles and that is really probably the last one that i could truly recall all five yeah same here ever since then it's been a one and done at least one one and done carrying a team and so that's a big it matters more even in college basketball but it is going to be great in college football because you're right there's going to be i mean outside of first round money i mean there's a lot of decent money to make it the in nil at the college level particularly here's where i think it's going to be really big dave the quarterback spot there are a lot of quarterbacks that you and i know can make a lot of money at the college level and aren't that valuable at the nfl level let's go back through history eric croucher tommy frazier they would make they would have made so much more money in college and they we all knew they were ever going to make it in the nfl or a steve spurrier quarterback whoever played quarterback for steve spurrier at the time I will give you Anthony Richardson. If if Florida had their NIL game in line, he might be coming back for another season of Florida instead of being a workout wonder. But yeah, they can't that's true. they can't get Jaden Rashada paid. They can't get anybody paid. Yeah, eventually every single school is going to at least do it at a competent level, which Florida is not right now. But you're at least going to do it at a competent level, which is going to keep more players involved. And at some point. I wonder if it'll ever hurt college football NIL. I don't see that. I think it's going to hurt one or two or three programs because I mentioned this before. The NCAA beefed up their enforcement staff. They are going to come down hard on somebody. I don't know who it is. And Tennessee is very involved in NIL. I think Tennessee and LSU should be somewhat concerned about the steps that the NCAA is taking because you can't pay players before they come to your school. You're not supposed to be able to do that, but there's this huge gray area. But I think it could hurt one or two schools if they get a SMU type of death penalty or a Southern California with what they did with Reggie Bush, if they get that type of penalty. But as a whole, I don't see, I don't foresee any way it goes south, Caleb. I really don't. I don't either. And for people that worry about competitive disadvantage, they're saying that like there was a competitive, there was competitive they were saying that like schools didn't have competitive disadvantages before NIL. I'm sorry, but Alabama always had a competitive advantage over Vanderbilt. NIL had nothing to do with that. And NIL doesn't change that. And honestly, 
there's a really good argument that NIL creates more parity in football only in the sense that location is still a big deal when it comes to recruiting. We've talked about it. Louisiana kids go to LSU. Georgia kids want to go to Georgia. Florida kids want to go to one of the Florida schools, particularly South Florida kids want to go to Miami. Well, now NIL is not necessarily directly related to how deep your talent pool is in your home state. So all of a sudden you got more competition and there's a chance for more schools to get a piece of the pie. I think it's actually going to create more parity in college football than rather than less. Okay. Here's where it could go South for one group of people. And that's the big 10. There is not the same passion on the second tier teams. And I don't want to get into a huge debate. I got ripped for something I didn't say on our YouTube channel, I said that Tennessee was every bit as good as Georgia talent-wise, which I never said. So I don't want to get into who is second tier, but the second tier teams in the SEC will have more support than the second tier teams in the Big Ten. So if there is any one group of people, not individual schools, that should be a little concerned about the fast pace of NIL, I believe it's the Big Ten because you already have a pretty big drop-off from Ohio State and Michigan to what Penn State, and then an even more significant drop off. If that becomes a two, three team conference each and every year, which is close to being already, that could be due to NIL. And then if I'm the Big Ten, I am concerned that it's a very top heavy conference, which it is already. That'll never happen in the SEC because your second tier teams, other than maybe Missouri, because they're a horrible football program. Uh huh. But other than them, you are going to have the support financially to keep your players at home. We can debate who's second tier. I don't really want to get into that. But you're going to have support at the Mississippi State levels. South Carolina, I know some people get mad if I call them second tier. Fine, I'm going to say it. You're always going to have that support there. Ole Miss, second tier. You're always going to have some amount of support there, not as much as Lane Kiffin wants. But, Caleb, you're always going to have that support there. I don't know that you could say the same in terms of actual financial numbers that you could say the same about a lot of the Big Ten teams. As a matter of fact, I don't think you can other than Ohio State, Michigan, and maybe Penn State. Okay, those are the top tier in terms of fan base, though. The second tier, there is – see, the Big Ten, there's a third tier. There is a second tier that can say that. Wisconsin, their fan base is like an SEC fan base. They are super hardcore. I would probably, in terms of financial financial wherewithal and the ability to give, I would have them first tier, even though they're not a first tier winning team, if that makes sense. Right. That's where I am, too. I would go Wisconsin, Iowa. Iowa has a hardcore first tier fan base, and Nebraska. Those three schools are not first tier programs in terms of winning, but they're first tier in terms of their fan bases are incredibly hardcore and can compete with any SEC fan base and how loyal they are. Now, you're right. Okay, agree. But when you combine that with the fact that they don't have the same type of talent in their backyard that Southeast schools do, I think it's going to make it difficult. I love Nebraska. I'd love for Nebraska to be relevant again, but are they ever going to be super relevant again? I don't know. Well, this is where NIL becomes a great equalizer. I will say this, Wisconsin, and this is where the TV contract is such a big deal. For at least the next seven years, actually the next 10, because the SEC stuck in this deal with ESPN for 10 years. So the Big Ten is going to get two deals that are better than the SEC's deal before the SEC gets its next deal. The I didn't mean to throw you <laughs> off putting that I'm comment so... up there, but that was the best comment of the day. So sorry. Oh my gosh. Oh Travis my says, gosh. Iowa offered starting linemen three bushels of corn and a scarecrow to come back. Two of them did. That's pretty good. By I didn't the way, mean to throw you off. By the way, you can pay for um hotels in 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 Fayetteville of Tennessee when Tennessee goes back to Arkansas you can pay for them in chickens and pies <laughs> you can. okay long term <laughs> by the way speaking of Iowa though okay there's two there's two things with this first and this is a big one because of the tv contracts and the more money that the schools are going to be getting boosters at those schools won't have to donate that much money to do anything within the school they can spend all that money on NIL now and just buying players more than the sec schools can. Okay. That's a big deal. And two, those schools now have more money to hire the best coaches. You just saw Paul Chris forced out at Wisconsin and Luke fickle come in. I think Kirk Ferentz at Iowa, longtime head coach, loyal guy. 
I think he needs to be looking over his shoulder. I oh, think I agree. Iowa... Totally agree. The, the, the days of having developmental coaches are over. The days of taking uh, Johnny Appleseed, who was six foot two, 250 pounds in high school and hoping he grows into a 300 pound offensive lineman like Nebraska did with their walk on program. Those days are over. You better go yeah. out and get the the Cade mazes of the world that walk in at six foot five, 330 pounds and are ready to play. I know they're not everywhere, but they are there. Portions of the program brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning. Cityheatandair.com. Integrity matters. Go to cityheatandair.com to learn more. 50 years of service right there in East Tennessee. And your unit may struggle with the warm temperatures, but might not need a whole new unit, might just need a part or coolant. They're awesome. Weekdays, 10 a.m., we visit with you, and it looks like we're going to have some news as far as the SEC schedule. We'll give you our thoughts on that coming up. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Have a fantastic morning, day, afternoon, whenever, whatever the case might be in your world. This is Off the Hook Sports.